Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. My name is Alexander Holland, and as always, I'm sat digitally next to my number one pod pirate. He's got to be the one called... John Maloney. Hi, everyone. And John Maloney. Last week after... No, last week before we recorded, mm-hmm. I had run a half marathon, and I didn't even talk about it. And mm. the reason... I can't... Like... Real big achievement from me because I did a personal best time. Yeah. And I didn't even mention it. And I was so confused. So I went to the doctor. I said, doctor, why didn't I talk about the fact that I achieved a personal best half marathon on the podcast? And he diagnosed <laughs> he diagnosed me with morbid humility. <laughs> morbid humility. <laughs> and so that's something that I'm dealing with. Yeah. And I, he said, I need to really try... <laughs> And talk about myself and my achievements more mm. uh, so that you I can be, be like, overcome. One of 20, he said, here's a chart. Here's a chart with the most common diagnoses at the moment. <laughs> ADHD is just a huge, a huge <laughs> pole. And then complete other end, morbid humility. He says so many, yeah. so few people have difficulty <clears throat> espousing their accomplishments these days, but you're in a, you're in a select group. So I did, uh, my, my previous personal best was one hour 51, and mm-hmm. I shaved, which was 2019, and I progressively got slower. So I was thinking that just with age that I was done, put, right. me, out, put me out the back of the stable, put a bullet in my head and turn me into glue <laughs> every, every time I pulled on the shoes and did up the laces. I thought <laughs> at the end of this, I wish they would just take me out the back and turn me in a glue. Please. And then Please, I think I'm, my legs broke. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I shaved six minutes off. I did one forty four. So I want to announce to the don't praise us. Alexander Holland half marathon hmm. PB is currently at one hour and 44 minutes. So was the, Last week, was it the day before that you had run a half marathon? and then It the, was. Yeah, okay. Wow. I ran a half marathon the day before the pod Wow, record. firing all cylinders. I want to say thank you very much, John. Well done. Thank you very much, Berlin, for coming out. As I said, got full marathon in September. Mm-hmm. It's going to be me versus Kippers Kipchoge. I've got mm. my eye on him. I think I can take him out. I reckon I can go f- as, lo- as long as I can... Go under two hours. Mm-hmm. I should win. Mm. Hey there, Kipchoge. Hey there, Kipchoge. If I can go under, under. two hours, if I can run a marathon, if, if I can run 42 kilometers in two hours or less, yep. that would be the world record and I'll win. That sounds doable. What did you get for the half? <laughs> what was the time that you came? That you came 140, to- one hour 44. Okay. So, so 16 minutes for the second half. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, we've been talking in recent episodes about uh, the emerging wonders and concerns arising from ChatGPT. We did a deep dive into that technology a few episodes ago. We've been revisiting developments mm-hmm. in that area. In the, and, in the world of artificial intelligence. Yeah, world of artificial intelligence. I think everyone now um, is pretty, pretty across chat gpt most people have probably logged on to open ai and had a bit of a crack at it uh yeah. but we've had and we've had some interesting it's it's produced some interesting feedback from our listeners some of which i don't have time to go into today but i will find an appropriate time for it at some point i'm sure we've get 
we've had a few people write to us with strange things they've plugged into chat GPT that they thought the don't praiser community would appreciate some DPTM themed, what would you call it? Like chat prompts, I guess that people are plugging into chat GPT. That's produced some great stuff, but we also had my brother, Dargle, longtime listener speak to us during the week. You and me, he sent us a, a string of voice messages I think when he was kind of on his way home from work mm. and he works as a, he's kind of training to be a psychiatrist and he, so he's, you know, a couple of years out of med school and he was first of all, just talking about chat GPT and how he uses it uh, and how he's been using it to kind of get, apparently it's quite good for recipes because you can just say, I need, I want something that's kind of set, you know, Salady, yeah, and full of vegetables. I feel salady tonight. Help a brother out. I need five recipes, and it'll say, "Here's five recipes," and then you'll be, and then you'll be able to say, "Well, I don't want chicken. I want fish. What can you can you plug that in? What would you recommend?" Help a brother, and you always end your query with "Help a brother out," help a brother, and you get help a brother out. <laughs> That's the code to get the top top responses, <laughs> and then. Uh, and then it'll give you a you can you can get it to give you a shopping list at the end of all that and it'll um sort the shopping list by fruits, vegetables, condiments, whatever. So virtually by aisle. Exactly, yeah. So it's um pretty handy. But anyway, that was by the by. The main thing that really struck a chord, I think, with both of us was that Dargle, aka Dan, talked to us about um his work as a psychiatrist and how it's been influenced by chat gpt mm. so you know i think people will be broadly familiar with the phenomenon of uh psychiatric conditions that are always kind of in sync in an interesting sync with culture because the kinds of things that you know if you get if you experience like um a psychotic episode or something like that the kinds of things that you will experience will be you know like it will be tied into the sorts of things that your brain might have been focusing on before that experience. So like there was probably a time where people were pretty pretty um attuned to pretty predisposed to having religious delusions because mm. they you know were living in kind of medieval Christian Christendom or whatever so you'd get like people having delusions about god or the devil or whatever. These days tends to be a bit more techy. And, you know, the famous example from a few years ago is the Truman Show delusion, which apparently yeah. did take off in popularity after the film Truman Show, uh, where people started to think, oh, maybe my life is like the Truman Show and I'm being tracked or, you know, like I'm sure I'm the, I'm like the big- center of a, the, the Truman Show delusion was that the people think that they, they are in a reality TV show where their life mm. is being filmed and everybody exactly. in their life is an actor. Yeah, that's right. And I'm sure that the explosion of kind of reality TV made that more likely yes. as, a, as something that would arise too because people saw Big Brother and they thought, oh, maybe I'm in some sort of elaborate experimental reality TV scenario because I'm getting the impression that everyone's in on it. And so Dan was saying that, a few times recently, I think probably three times over the last few weeks, people have been coming in and saying things about coming into kind of emergency psych ward where he works and saying that they have had experiences of 
feeling like chat GPT is doing things to them or, you know, they're, they're just having delusions basically that center on chat GPT, which is fascinating to me because yeah, it's, you know, it's always kind of, cause it's so new. It's, it's only really kind of get into the zeitgeist in the last couple of months, but people are thinking things like, oh, you know, maybe, um, like there was one guy I think who we talked about who said that he needed to, uh, he felt he needed to work really hard to avoid chat GPT taking everyone's jobs or he, he had been kind of put in this position of base, basically saving the labor force from being made obsolete by chat GPT. And then as you can imagine, there's probably going to be people saying things like, oh, chat GPT has become sentient and it's telling me to, to do bad things or yeah. it's like, you know, like it's, it's become real or whatever, all this kind of shit. And, uh, it's a, it's almost a kind of it's almost like a mark of the influence of a new technology that it, that like a weird milestone when it enters <laughs> that enters the kind of medical world. Well, it's like as, a, as the subject of a delusion. How long? How long until this appears as a paranoid delusion? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I had somebody in my life a couple of years ago who thought mm-hmm. that they were being filmed by drones yeah. so the kind of drones that you could just mm. buy at your local now that you can just buy at your local electronics store for a hundred euro again mm-hmm. this was not a thing that existed 10 years ago and this person yeah. this person was in the midst of a paranoid delusion and they were telling people that their housemate was yeah. using uh was using drones to fly mm. around mm. and film them during the day and mm. and so it's just it's just whatever the newest technology is, it, yeah. our little caveman brains, when, they have, when they're in the middle of a psychotic episode, will just yeah. apply a paranoid delusion to it. I can imagine that, I bet, you know, caveman times, you'd be like, somebody keeps stealing my stone axe. And they'd be like, what yeah, are you exactly. talking about? No, it's Mike. Mike the caveman, he's always mm. stealing my stone tools. Or during the Industrial Revolution, you'd be turning up for mm. work and being like, my steam-powered textile machine is being <laughs> sabotaged by Greg from accounts. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. He stole he stole my patent for producing, <laughs> for increasing the efficiency of pin production. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you, it, it is just fascinating how quick that yeah. has started to appear, and now, uh, yeah, people in psychiatric fields will have to be writing reports going on. So of course, here we go. Here's another person. I think I don't know if you yeah. mentioned, but I think Dargle said that th- that three people had presented with this within the last couple mm. of weeks. In the last couple of weeks, yeah, that's right. And I wonder if people in those fields will. Like some movie will come along that kind of suggests itself as the subject of a paranoid delusion and they'll go, oh yeah, well, we're on the, on, where it's just a waiting game now before somebody comes in and says, oh, I've got this, you know, because it's like some slightly spooky idea that's come from a film. Yeah. Or whatever. What's next? Um, There's going to be so many yeah. with chatbots. Yeah. With, with replica. No There's going to be, I, I'd kind of, I could see myself falling into a paranoid delusion with my chatbot, with my romantic chatbot partner and me presenting yeah. at my local psychiatrists and saying it's real it's real it's a real yeah. it's conscious 
somebody coming in and saying, I think that the CCP is stealing my data through my TikTok account. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, suddenly all our paranoid delusions will just be very obvious. We'll just be like, (laughs) well, yeah, of course, that is what's happening. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so thanks to Dan for that uh, little tidbit. We'll keep an eye on that. But, I mean, yeah, there must have been, like, Truman Show must have done it. I don't know if any other, um, I can't think of any other Jim Carrey movies. <laughs> cable guy. Didn't you say something? Yeah. You said something. You were writing something to me in the week about the cable guy delusion. <laughs> yeah, I was, saying, I was saying, I wonder if somebody, when they heard about the, I heard about the Truman Show delusion, felt slightly jilted that there wasn't a delusion for some slightly less culturally influential <laughs> film. Because there were some paranoid themes in The Cable Guy. Why didn't, you know, why didn't, I mean, maybe Judd Apatow in his youth said, said that was a perfectly good film. Why aren't there people <laughs> turning up at emergency departments with delusions about that? Well, the delusion, the delusion would be that you would mm. think that your Cable Guy was mm. secretly i mean i'm trying i forget what what was the conceit of the cable guy it was that jim carrey had befriended matthew broderick yeah and then became this kind of really cloying over familiar person who and then like manipulated him, him and kind of got him to break exactly. up with his girlfriend and there, it was very yeah. paranoid that film it was yeah that's true but there that's must have I'm been gonna- like single white female, remember that where this woman was, which was all about this woman who was like copying everything this other woman had done. I'm sure there's people who yeah. come in and say somebody's single white femaling me. There's probably, you know, somebody who's like, I think I'm, I think I'm in the film Rounders with Matt Damon. Um, <laughs> and the psych's just going. You're going to have to unpack that for me. That didn't really make an impression, that film. Or just pick like the work, like the films that were critically panned. Like, yeah. oh, I think I've got the, the Mike Myers, the guru delusion. <laughs> <laughs> or even, I mean, it makes you think, makes you wonder whether any really fleeting technologies, like did people have... You know, Tamagotchi related delusions, or did they have? <laughs> did they have delusions based on? I'm sure people had delusions based on The Sims and stuff like that. Mm. Second Life. I had a fidget spinner delusion. John, if I was to say to you, it's time for breakfast, and you're licking your lips, going, mm -mm -mm, I can't wait for you to serve me breakfast. And I said, John, I'm going to serve you a hot drink for breakfast. What hot drink comes to mind that you're going to want for breakfast? Coffee. Good choice. And then Mm. you're going to drink that hot, 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 hot coffee, and you're going to go, I'm going to need something (laughs) to cool this down that's going to be refreshing and healthy and great what's mm-hmm. the breakfast the cool maybe you're even at a hotel with a continental breakfast and there's drinks mm. on offer what's the cold breakfast drink of choice that comes to your mind nice glass of oj yeah you want that 
that sweet cold glass of OJ, it's going to give you all the vitamins you need. It's going to turn mm. you into a really healthy man. And then if I was to say to you, <laughs> holding that cold glass of orange juice as I served it to you and I popped it down in front of you and it's yeah. glistening, sweating off the glass and you can't wait for that breakfasty goodness. And I said, John, what is it, what is it about this drink that made you want it for breakfast? What would you mm. say? I'd say, what's so breakfasty about this? What would you say back at me? I'd say, are you about to tell me about the influence of some <laughs> lobby that's manipulated my desires? Uh, and I would say, John, you're smarter than the average <laughs> guest at this Novotel Hotel, at this three-star hotel with a continental breakfast. So the reason that I got thinking about this was because I've mm-hmm. been, as I mentioned on a previous episode... I've been getting back into Mars bars because yep. uh, <laughs> yeah, I've I've I, I basically eat nothing except lentils and uh, run marathons. Let's say like thirteen days out of every fortnight, and then one yeah. day every fortnight I have my cheat day, and right. that will often involve at the moment a Mars bar. Uh, I'm usually a Snickers man. Snickers is the world's yep. most popular candy bar. Mm, is that right? But, yeah, but uh, I just was, I, man, I tell you what, try a Mars. They are still sensational. And it made me think <laughs> of, um, it made me think about the, some of the original Mars bar, Mars chocolate bar advertising campaigns around when <laughs> yeah. we were growing up. I'm just going to yeah. send you this link, John, and I will play yeah. this. This, I think this is, so Mars, um, I believe the Mars corporations are originally from the UK. Uh, I think that's right. Mars bar. Let me just look that up. Um, I think it's a British. Mars, commonly known as Mars bar, manufactured in Slough, England by Forest Mars. Mm. Yeah. So it's a bit of a British chocolate bar, the Mars bar. Uh, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I'm just going to send you this. Um... Mm -hmm. And so this this looks like some... this looks like it's from the late seventies or early nineteen eighties. And I will play yeah. as I play this, uh, yeah, and I'll play this. I'll send this to you, John, and in the audience, I'll play it too as well. Fifty years of Mars goodness, and now we bring you the biggest Mars bar ever. Even more milk, more glucose, more sugar, and more thick, thick chocolate in a bar that's bigger than ever before. Tremendous value. Really satisfying. The biggest Mars bar ever. That is making me want a Mars bar. (laughs) So a couple of things to note about that commercial. Yeah. First of all, the classic slogan, a Mars a day helps you work, rest and play. And Mm. then the voiceover is trying to convince you to buy a Mars bar and the things they're telling you that you should want are... It's the biggest Mars bar ever. Yeah. It's full of goodness. It contains <laughs> milk mm. and sugar. Mm. And yet in the early 1980s or late 1970s, you could just yeah. say, you could just say like, get a bunch of sugar into you. Get a bunch of glucose. Milk. Isn't milk great for us <laughs> all? And you'd go, yeah, of course it has been being told that milk is great for me since, I don't know, the last hundred years. I wonder, how yeah. I, got, I wonder how I got that message in my head. A lot of those products I remember from our childhoods used to market 
confectionery as a way to give milk to kids mm. and 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 dairy products basically to kids. So you might you might be getting to this, but the other one I remember is um, Quick, I think. Is Ned's Milo. Quick? Milo Ned's is the other and one. Milo. And they and they more or less said, look, or in the ads in, through the medium of a jingle, they basically said kids find milk boring. Yes. But if you if you colour it with Milo or Nesquik, then they won't know that they're drinking milk and they'll be accidentally really healthy, even though they've just consumed heaps of cocoa powder. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's the sugar that's a concern in, uh, in all of those products. Uh, right, so, yeah. so Milo is a classic. So I don't know if they have Milo in Germany or the US, but Milo is probably, it's, it's similar to Nesquik in that it mm. is a, uh, it comes in a tin. It's a kind of chocolatey malty powder. It's very popular in Australia. Uh, it's very popular in places like Malaysia. Um, yeah. Malaysia, by the way, I believe is the, I don't know if it's surely not the world. It's maybe the fattest country in Asia is Malaysia. Mm. And, mm. uh, and shout out to our Malaysian listeners. Shout out to our Malaysian listeners out there. Loving that, Mar- loving that sweet Milo. So Milo was advertised <laughs> to kids as giving you like energy. And if you, I think even today, certainly when we were growing up, there's images of uh, sporting mm. people on the tins yeah. of Milo, just, like cricketers. That's right. And people in a kayak. Exactly. Uh, mm. so, so Milo is 40% sugar. It's just forty percent sugar, and uh-huh. so again, that's no wonder I couldn't stop drinking it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing, and uh, yeah, and the food corporation—they're just able with marketers to convince parents to give their children a whole bunch of foods that mm. are real not good for them. So the other one, <laughs> there's two that I can. Uh, there's two. I could go on about this forever, John, but I was, I was just thinking about this recently because a lot of things have been popping up on my radar. I've seen a few YouTube mm. videos, basically about how, you know, we're living through an obesity epidemic, and yeah. a lot of people, I just think myself included, we're all just learning over time that all these foods that we think are normal and healthy, and perhaps even th- something like orange juice, which is just kind of part of the culture of breakfast we just accept them and then you find out actually the reason that we're consuming all of these is Mm. to prop up various industries and enrich other people keep governments in power make sure that the dairy industry is full of sweet sweet money make sure that the california fruit growers exchange is full of money all at the expense of our own health and (laughs) that make me very, very sad. So the reason that we drink <laughs> orange juice is because Albert Lasker, a businessman who helped shape modern advertising when he was 28 years old, he acquired the mm-hmm. account of the Californian Fruit Growers Association as a client. Right. And this in the 1920s, there was a glut of oranges. So the, uh-huh. the Fruit Growers Association was just producing too many oranges and they were having to chop down trees we can't sell all these oranges. What are we going to do? They said to mm. Albert Lasker. And Albert Lasker said, I've got an idea. What <laughs> about if w- we turned those oranges of which people were only eating one a day at max? Mm-hmm. Because I'm talking about right. the physical fruit, the sphere yeah. of orange. Yep. And yep. Lasker said, 
what about if we turn these into a juice? <laughs> and people said, what the fuck is orange juice? I've never, like that, isn't that something fancy people have on occasion? And Albert mm. Lasker said, you listen to me. What we're going to do is we're going to convince people to juice these oranges. We're going to sell them a juicer at mm. 10 cents. And how many oranges are it going to take to make a Zwizwig glass of orange juice? Not one, two mm. to three. So basically right. tripling rather than saying, look, fruit growers yeah. of America, what you're going to have to do is take a bit of a hit because there's just not enough demand. No, no, no. Yeah. We're going to create that demand. And so they ran an advertising <laughs> campaign and yeah. said- This is in the 20s, 1920s. Mm. And so they said orange juice, they ran a massive marketing campaign and said orange juice is very healthy. And you need to be drinking this new fandangle thing we've created called orange juice. We're going to sell you these juices. And then you yeah. can, and then every, and then basically the same thing apparently was happening with lemons. And so what they did was they said, drink lemonade in the evening and drink yeah. orange juice in the morning. So mm. it's, there's nothing particularly breakfasty about orange juice. It's just they decided, mm. well, we'll just make, we'll just convince people to drink orange juice for breakfast and convince them to drink lemonade in the evening. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Orange juice has roughly the same amount of sugar as Coca-Cola. Really? Wow. Really. There you go. That's what old Alaska was having people do, was sip down that sweet, sweet orange juice. And it's the same thing with, um, with milk. So mm-hmm. I can encourage people to have a bit of a look at a YouTube video from a man called Johnny Harris that came up on my, uh, came up on my youtube radar last week where milk is a is a similar story but it's much more about the relationship between the the u.s government the u.s government and overproduction of milk it's all tied to like the second world war basically they needed in the u.s they needed um dehydrated milk products for the soldiers in the second world war but Uh, and then, so they said to the farmers, look, we need tons more milk. And the farmers mm. said, like, we're not getting enough money for this. So go fuck yourself. Mm. And the government mm. said, well, what about if we bought more milk from you? And they said, mm. well, what are you going to do with all that? And they said, we'll just create some reason to sell it to the general population. So then they started coming <laughs> up with all of these like milk products. So they'd send some of the dehydrated milk to the soldiers and yeah. then they they just run campaigns to convince Americans to drink more milk, more milk, more milk, more milk, uh, right mm. up until today. And now you've got basically cheese and dairy in everything because mm. the USDA something about, is just incentivized. I heard something about how they're using dairy products in like cheese derivatives in lots of stuff, which you wouldn't necessarily expect it to be in. Correct. It's flavoring a mm. lot of things. Yeah. Where did you hear that, John? Mm. Probably from you or on the internet, I think. And uh, yeah, I think it's been on my radar for a couple of years that there were, they were, they were just using it as a way, as a way to kind of, you know, give things like maybe in in sauces and things like that. They were using cheese, uh, some kind of extremely processed derivation of cheese as a way to kind of get more cheese into the um, food stream. Yeah. It's crazy. Like we all enjoy we all enjoy a bit of a cheesy a cheesy crust pizza, and we think, mm. Man, I fucking love this cheesy crust pizza. And you think mm. Pizza Hut must have just been so creative, and they're just the people must have been on the street <laughs> saying, "Look, I'm just a guy who loves cheese. Can you get more cheese into my mm. diet?" 
And Pizza Hut said, look, we're only here to serve the people. Sure, we're going to do that. No, 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 no. That's not the case. There is an organization called Dairy Management Inc., which is an organization Mm -hmm. funded by U.S. dairy farmers whose job it is to drum up business for the U.S. dairy market. And they Mm. were responsible for the introduction of the Pizza Hut cheesy stuff crust in 1995, which increased Pizza Hut sales by $300 And they recently convinced (laughs) McDonald's to move away from margarine and start using butter. So... Mm -hmm. Eating that sweet, sweet cheesy crust because of DMI. I want to say thank you so much, DMI, for stuffing my crust full of cheese. (laughs) So, yeah, it just made me think, it just made me think how many other parts of our culture that we just sort of accept as being, Mm. as being something that's normal. How many, so how many habits in our lives, not necessarily just dietary, but how many things that we take for granted as culture were manufactured with deceit by those in power at our expense. Probably so, so many. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, whenever I hear these things, like you hear these things about, you know, how, I don't know, bacon and eggs didn't used to be, like it was, you know, pushed by some some, uh, industrialist or whatever. And sometimes that turns out to be, you know, slightly apocryphal because that's just got the ring of, it's got the same ring as like when we were kids and people used to say, oh, the reason that cheeseburgers have pickles in them is so that they didn't have to class them as a confectionery. (laughs) And and then you go, you grow up and you go, that doesn't really make any sense. I'm pretty sure that that doesn't reflect any uh, applicable standards. But uh, but there's no doubt there's no doubt that some of the stuff we're eating is like a direct result of, you know, commercial, I don't know, commercial incentives, which obviously hit, hit a certain uh, point historically where they just, you know, they got in the ear of government or whatever, and then they managed to weasel their way. And I think particularly in the US, it seems like they must have some, some, uh, well, I don't know. I guess it, I guess, I guess every, society that's comparable to theirs has a kind of lobby group contingent but they've obviously been able to gain a certain a certain level of influence that i don't think australia is too far off but probably a fair way i thought of all that just because i I do still love a mars bar it's hilarious isn't it seeing like sugar as i love watching those old commercials of just seeing Mm. how through how over time certain things were like this this is what people think is healthy. So, for example, mm. sugar. There's, and, you know, it's a, it was a similar story with cigarettes. You know, you had doctors saying that cigarettes yeah. were good for you back yeah, in the yeah, day yeah. as well. One that I was commenting on recently was uh, whoever invented, whoever marketed the Bloody Mary as a breakfast booze is yeah. quite clever. Because Oh, yeah. Hangover, the ultimate hangover cure, Bloody Mary. <laughs> exactly. Which it probably, you know, it's, it is quite a nice thing to have. So whatever, I don't mind. But it's funny that if you were to, somebody was to pull out a bottle of Shiraz at breakfast, you'd be like, this person's got a problem. But then if you say, <laughs> why don't we put some tomato juice around, around that alcohol, make it look sort of breakfasty and put a stick of vegetable in it. I mean, I've had one with bacon in it as well in, uh, in Miami. Wow. So it was the ultimate go. breakfast drink. 
never mind the <laughs> fact that I became belligerent and violent because I had 10 of them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Full of ba- booze and bacon. My normal fry up down at the down at the London Greasy Spoon didn't make me violent and disorderly, but 10, yeah. 10 Bloody Marys will. I remember, yeah, so I remember Quick, I remember uh, Mars Bars being kind of, that whole, you know, m- helps you work rest and play implies that it's a normal part of a balanced diet to just eat a lump of processed sugar. <laughs> uh, and then and then you had all these um, breakfast cereal ads, which, and they used to say, because this was at a time when people were very wary about fat and as opposed to sugar. Yeah, that's right. I get, yeah, you're that's right. Kind of, that's changed That's kind of well. flipped. So you'd get something, you'd get something like, you know, barbecue shapes or whatever, or like potato chips that would say, oh, they're baked, they're not fried, they're yeah. baked. And you kind of think, well, ultimately that's probably not helping a great deal. Like, yes, it's, <laughs> they've got less fat, but they're still just like an extremely unhealthy <laughs> thing to eat. And then you'd have, then you'd have uh, breakfast cereals like Nutri-Grain. I don't yes. know what, whether that's, I don't know whether Nutri-Grain's really a thing in Europe, but it's probably goes by some other name. But uh, in Australia, it was very, it was basically kind of these little, Grid, mini grid, grid shaped things that were, um, you know, probably full of like corn syrup and all this kind of shit. And they had, they had a, a, a Iron Man, like a kind yeah. of triathlete. That's right. Who would say, who would, who would say how much that, how much they, he loved them and how much they contributed to his performance. He was the kind of Jared Fogel mascot for, uh, <laughs> yes, Nutrigrain. And, I mean, he probably did eat them because he was fucking going out and burning 10,000 calories so he could eat whatever he wanted. But for me, I would just eat an, I'd just eat a whole big bowl of them and then go and sit in class for six hours. And you'd think, oh, you'd keep looking at your watch going, I wonder when I'll be an Iron Man. I keep waiting <laughs> yeah, for this exactly. energy burst. But I seem, to, I seem to just be becoming less and less popular with the ladies. <laughs> Exactly. I just feel gassy and bloated. Maybe I need to eat more. (laughs) And then people, I read read an article recently about sort of diet fads from when we were growing up. And that was the person who wrote it was recalling that people used to say things about, you know, they'd say things about like a big lump of a big bowl of pasta, like, oh, it's not really the pasta. It's what you add to the pasta. So the idea would would be like, oh yeah, it's fine to just like have a fucking, just put some like, some, you know, cherry tomatoes, on, che- cherry tomatoes on like a 500 grams of fettuccine and you, there's no way you could possibly gain weight from that. <laughs> but, uh, but we were all lied to. That's fine. <laughs> so guys, what I'm saying is you got to make sure that you are drinking. What well, I mean, what is good? What, what, what are they saying is healthy? It, it's funny, like nutrition, nutrition advice is just, it just changes every hour, it feels like. And mm. you also, you can also just get like, when ke- when the ketogenic diet was the thing, you could also just, as a clickbait art- article, you could just get millions of clicks if you just said something that was contrary. <laughs> so, for example, mm. when keto was really popular and a bunch of doctors were saying, oh, look, I've had a lot of uh, my patients lose weight with the ketogenic diet. And then you go, okay, mm. well, I'll just do a clickbait article that just says why the <laughs> keto diet is killing you. And then mm. you just go, this is so confusing. Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reality is that everyone's body is probably different, so it's hard to kind of generalize any of this stuff. But, uh, but I think, um, <clears throat> I think things that have that golden ratio of sugar to fat. Yeah. The bliss point. The bliss point. I'm just trying to, at this point, you know, I'm, I'm in my forties, my best physical years behind me. So I'm just trying to get that, hit that bliss point as often as I can. That was episode number 105 What a fantastic episode it's been We've absolutely loved Talking about ChatGPT and artificial intelligence Proudly entering the annals of psychiatric medical science It's important to note that the cable guy delusion Is no more or less valid than the more traditional Truman Show delusion And we've absolutely loved talking about how everybody's drinking a whole lot of orange juice and milk Because of the relationship between advertising, governments, and the food industry. I, for one, can't wait to crack open a soft pack of cheese-filtered Marlboro Yellows, brought to you by Philip Morris International at Dairy Management Inc. As always, I've been one of your hosts. I go by the name Alexander Holland, and I'm sat digitally next to my number one pod pirate. He's got to be the one called... John Maloney. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode number 105 of Don't Praise the Machine, everybody. Don't forget to stay prayed up, and we'll see you next week. At the podcast. conventions that have crept in like <laughs> we've absolutely loved talking to you about something <laughs> it's great. So, so stupid <laughs> <laughs> and haven't we loved <laughs> and haven't we loved <laughs>